All right. Welcome to Political as Heck, a podcast where we discuss Utah politics and policy. I'm Corey Astle, joined by Utah State Senator Todd Weiler. Hey, so, Corey. Hey. Uh, exciting week this week. I think it was. I think it was. And I think it, the big news, let's just start right with it. President Biden used his executive authority under the Antiquities Act to expand Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monuments in southern Utah by two million acres. Todd, another Democratic president, another massive federal power grab of Utah's lands. Where does it go from here? Yeah, um, you know, I think this was a missed opportunity. I mean, I'm not surprised. I I don't think any Republican who's been following this is surprised. But the better approach would have been to do something in between what Obama and Clinton had done and what uh, Trump had done. But what, what Biden just did by going back with a full enchilada, if you will, it's just guaranteeing a, ping, a continued ping pong effect where the next Republican president will probably scale it back. And for those uh, listeners who don't know, I mean, when you look at um, like the mighty five Zions and Bryce and the other, you know, the other Canyon lands and whatnot, we're talking about, I can't remember if it's less than 400,000 uh, acres combined for all five of those are less than 800,000. I, I haven't wow. looked at the stats, but the, but to these two, he just added an additional 2 million uh, acres. And I mean, just to put that in perspective, that's, you know, what he just added is at least three times bigger than all the other mighty five combined. And that was on top. And, and what, what people don't realize, I mean, you can, you can despise president Trump, and recognize that actually some good things happened under his administration. So, and, and I think this was a good thing because there are some very special sacred in uh, indi- indigenous sites, you know, around bears ears that absolutely should be preserved. Um, and all of this land, all of this 2000 acres that he added, it's already all BLM federally controlled land. So people act like, oh, my gosh, if they wouldn't have done this, the legislator would, legislature would have been putting McDonald's drive throughs and oil drills there tomorrow, which is just not true. It's already protected federal land. Um, but um, but number two, the, the, the Trump uh, uh, designation. Um, it, it already protected all of those special areas, all of those sacred areas, all of those really pristine areas that need special protection. But this extra two million acres that just got added on, it's really, um, you know, the best way for me to describe it, it's basically grazing land that, you know, that, you know, that, that there's nothing there to see. And, um, you know, if you go down to the visitor center, you know, the Grand Staircase Escalante is part of this, and that was designated under President Clinton, when, of course, he was in Arizona when he announced it, Obama was in golfing in Hawaii when the White House announced the, uh, the designation of Bears Ears. So neither of those uh, presidents had the dignity, to, and neither did Biden, to come to Utah and do it. But um, people will go to the visitor center and they'll say, where's the staircase? Where's the staircase? And so the staircase is, you know, uh, a rising plateau over tens of, you know, if not hundreds of miles. And so, you know, people you know, it's not, it's not like going to Yellowstone and seeing Old Faithful. It's not like going to the Grand Canyon. It's very, these are very, very, very different. So. Absolutely. I mean, I've been down there. I think it's, I think it's gorgeous. I think it's, you know, Cedar Mesa is gorgeous. Definitely want to protect all the artifacts, but two, 2 million acres is huge. It's the size of Delaware and Rhode Island combined. So yeah, 
Yeah. So yeah. Biden's own home state of Delaware is about 1,900 square miles, and two million acres is about 3,000 square miles. So yeah, it's about one and a half Delawares. And you know, debating, we can. I think that uh, minds will disagree on exactly how large so the size and scope of Bears Ears should be. But that's something for the stakeholders to work through and all, all that they've done, Clinton, Obama, Biden. I'm glad you mentioned that they weren't even in the state. I've never even visited the state. I yeah. Mean, it's just a, such a disrespect of our citizens and the stakeholders. And with a, with a stroke of a pen, I, that's just, I just, it's so irritating that there's a presidential authority that was created for a good reason to, to preserve artifacts. It wasn't created so that you could lock down space the size of two states. Yeah. And much of the characterization in the media on the, and on the left seems to be about energy development. And maybe that's one piece. But I mean, the bigger piece is who can access these lands? You're closing roads or making it inaccessible. It only limits the ability of Americans and stakeholders and local residents or whatever or people in Utah, scouts to enjoy the majesty, makes it harder. And as the delegation said in a statement, this doesn't actually protect the land because it just it puts off limits for legitimate multiple use. So yeah, probably a lot of the roads are going to get closed and you're not going to be able to ride a four-wheeler anywhere near it. It doesn't come with any money. It doesn't. Yeah. There's no, there's no money to police it. So the looters are still going to be there. And as just chief justice Roberts recently said about the antiquities act, he says it's become transformed into a power without any discernible limit to set aside vast and amorphous expanses of terrain above and below the sea. I mean, I think that's just a perfect way to describe it. We do want to protect these lands. Like I said, I think I think it's gorgeous. I think Cedar Mesa is absolutely beautiful. At the same time, like, there's no can, can he lock up the whole state? I mean, do, yeah. well, what's next? Back, yes. the next Democratic president we get? Does it does it lock up the whole, you know, like Western side of the state? I mean, there's no end. Well, and it's interesting you should say that because anyone that has been to New York City has probably seen Central Park. And, you know, hats off to the visionaries, including, I think, Teddy Roosevelt, 100, 125, 150 years ago, who had the, uh, the foresight to preserve that, you know, those city blocks in New York uh, City. The reason I bring that up is um, we have a lot of liberals back east, including a few in the White House. They view Utah as America's Central Park. Um, <laughs> that's basically what they're doing. All right. On a related note, the Senate confirmed a new director of the Bureau of Land Management, the BLM. Both Mike Lee and Mitt Romney spoke out forcibly against her confirmation based on what they characterized as her history of echo being an echo terrorist. Corey, have you checked out this um, nominee's background and how can Dem Democrats get away with a nomination like this? So the woman's name is uh, Tracy Stone Manning and she was confirmed, but she's an extreme environmentalist who got her start spiking trees. What does that mean? Well, that means you're driving metal spikes into the timber trees so that when it goes through the sawmill, it destroys the, the saw when the, when the wood is processed. So she has a long history of radical environmentalism it's amazing to me that the media will constantly scream whenever a candidate has any connection to industry because certainly they're they are biased beyond repair. Meanwhile, it's perfectly fine for a, a rabid environmentalist activist to be chosen because obviously she doesn't have a bias or it has she has the correct bias, I guess. Yeah. Senator, Senator Romney said that's like nominating Bernie Madoff to serve as Treasury Secretary. I think that's right. <laughs> 
Biden ran as a moderate adult in the room, but he's putting these committed ideologues in every position. It's no different than if Bernie Sanders had become president. I think it's important to note the uh, Federal Land Policy and Management Act, FLIPMA is what, uh, what the folks call it, requires the BLM to preserve natural resources on federal lands while allowing for multiple use. That's the thing, multiple uses. So we want to allow people to have multiple uses of the land. And I hope the new director keeps this statutory mission in front of her mind. Her job is not to put off limits to, you know, land off limits and serve some extreme environmentalist agenda. And at the same time, um, this is worth mentioning too, the Biden Interior Department is moving the BLM headquarters back to Washington, D.C. from Grand Junction, Colorado. Trump had moved it from D.C. to actually the West, where all the BLM lands reside, so that you could actually be closer to the ground. We were hoping he's going to move it to Utah, but that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, that would have been better. But in any case, Biden's moving it back so that it can be closer to the environmental lobby so that they uh, they can take their cues like face to face. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's really a tragedy. And I, I'm glad you mentioned, I mean, just the 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 double standard with the national media, because there's just no intellectual honesty. There's no consistency. Um, if it's wrong for Republicans to nominate partisan ideologues it's wrong for democrats to do it but you never hear that there's no balance at all from the mainstream national media and that's just so disappointing to me all right we've talked about president biden's new employer vaccine mandates that will affect federal contractors and every single company in america with over 100 employees This week, Senator Lee proposed legislation that would allow people who lose their jobs or their livelihoods because of the vaccine mandate to sue the federal government. Todd, what do you think of Senator Lee's legislation or his idea? I actually like it. Uh, I like to compliment Senator Lee when he's right. I think he's right on this. And um, I don't think, obviously, his legislation is going to pass. We have a (laughs) 50-50 Senate. We have a House that's still controlled by the Democrats. And we have a White House that will veto it. But I think that um, he's fighting the good fight and he's, you know, um, d- doing what's right. And, and, and Corey, I think we emphasize this every time this topic comes up, but I'm vaccinated, you're vaccinated. We're both pro vaccine. So that the question is not, you know, that we're anti vaccine or that we think that, you know, COVID's a conspiracy or, or anything like that. The question is, you know, is this the proper role of government to, to force people against their will, uh, you know, to be vaccinated. And I just, uh, as much as I, I hope and want to encourage people to get vaccinated, it's not the government's role to force that on. Individuals should have that choice. Completely agree. And uh, yes, as you said, I've said all along, I think people should get vaccinated. My wife's a nurse and she she deals with COVID patients every single day and it's tragic. Get vaccinated, you have a much better chance. But I, I agree, I don't believe it's the government's role to compel people by threatening them with their livelihoods. It's more likely to backfire anyway, and I think in a lot of instances we're already seeing it. We have yet to see how this this man blanket, uh, sorry, blanket mandate will work. I, I know companies are worried about worker retention. If you, for example, if you drive a truck for a company with over 100 employees, you can quit your job tomorrow and probably find a new one later that day with a smaller outfit that yeah. doesn't doesn't uh, it come underneath the the vaccination or test requirement. So. So that scares to a lot of logistics companies, scares them to death, retail as well. There's just so many openings right now for truck drivers and retail and other blue collar uh, jobs. Like it's, it's easy for them to leave. And so it's just, it's terrifying. But anyway, this, I think the smart modelers on this stuff are predicting that Delta variant wave 
is going to burn itself out probably by the end of November. We may be back to where we were at the beginning of summer when yeah. the future of COVID looked relatively bright. And at that point, it will see even, even less necessary to coerce people. COVID cases nationwide have been dropping for over three weeks. Uh, deaths have now, you know, just trailed that obviously, but they've started to drop. There are five out of 45 out of 50 states that where COVID's increasing. And those are areas that the Delta variant didn't spike early. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like uh, just like in Europe and other and, and other parts of the world, the Delta variant, uh, it runs about a three month course. And, and it looks like hopefully knock on wood, we're on the tail end of that. Now, the question is, will there be another variant that comes behind it that's just as contagious? And thank goodness, although the Delta variant was much more contagious than regular COVID, it was not much more deadly, thank goodness. Senator Lee's legislation addresses employee vaccination requirements. The other side of that coin, Corey, is customer vaccination requirements. The Jazz recently announced that fans will have to show proof of vaccination or a negative PCR test within 72 hours of an event, uh, you know, the start time of their games. Congressman Chris Stewart said that he will boycott the Jazz this season because of this new policy. Do you agree with Congressman Stewart? I certainly understand Congressman Stewart's uh, sentiment here. We're getting more and more extreme, I, about, you know, by the day, and it does feel like this is becoming more and more about uh, social control. I, I totally understand that. But look, as a conservative, Todd, I think you can appreciate this. If I boycotted every sporting event or movie or TV show that involved politics, people in politics that disagreed with my politics, I'd never have anything to do for, for entertainment. And so I, I am a jazz fan. I'm not going to stop following the jazz after this. I think that they, you know, they're a private business, so I think they should be able to do it. doesn't mean I think it is the, the right idea for them, but it is something they should be able to do, I believe, as a private employer. But I'm glad to see people like Congressman Stewart out there calling out some of the absurdity out there. How about you? Well, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think this is a little bit of a swing and miss because um, the, the last thing I want the government telling private businesses what, that they can't decide, like no shirts, no shoes, no service sort of thing. So, um, you know, I won't boycott the jazz. I don't know if I'll buy any tickets this season, but that's just because I think they're overpriced. (laughs) That's for sure. A little, uh, political buzz, uh, failed presidential candidate and famous never Trumper Evan McMullen declared himself an independent candidate for us Senate running against Senator Mike Lee. Todd, left-wing media and some prominent Utah columnists think this could be a big deal. How do you assess McMullen's chances? Uh, it's not a big deal. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I, I always, I never like to miss an opportunity to remind people that according to his FEC disclosures, Evan McMullen still owes $669,000 in campaign debt from the last time he ran. And most of that debt, the majority of it, is owed to Utah vendors. So he swooped into Utah, ran up a huge amount of debt, and then didn't pay any of his bills. And now he wants to come and do it all again. So first of all, anyone listening to me, uh, don't uh, extend any credit to Evan McMullen because he's he's a deadbeat candidate, doesn't pay his bills. <laughs> Second of all, if this is a, a ruse for him to raise money and pay off his presidential campaign debt, then I guess maybe that's not such a bad thing. But he had 0% chance of, of beating Mike Lee on a November primary. And what he's likely going to do is he's going to 
pick up some of the Democratic vote, um, you know, the moderate Democrat vote and some of the anybody but Mike Lee Republican vote, assuming that Mike Lee, you know, gets to the primary, which I think is a safe assumption. But, you know, he's got uh, Becky Edwards and Allie Isom and, and, and a few others who are going to challenge him there. But Evans won't be a factor. Um, uh, McMullen, I'm sorry, will not be a factor in the primary because as an independent candidate, he won't be a factor until November. Yeah, right. 669,000. So Evan McMullen voted for Biden, he, he announced, and he spent the last five years on CNN and MSNBC bashing Republicans. You can have to make a lot of visits on MSNBC and CNN to pay off that debt. He's running as an independent candidate, presumably, as you said, because he expects his path to victory, I mean, would have to involve mostly Democratic votes. I mean, that's the truth. So he's clearly concluded that, um, you know, Ali Isom and Becky Edwards, the primary challenge is a less promising path and relying on Utah Democrats, which to me raises the question of, you know, which side would he caucus with if he won? Would he caucus yeah. with Chuck Schumer and the Democrats if he has Democrats <laughs> to thank for his victory? So in a lot of ways, I mean, I, I think that his, his entry does complicate the path for Isom and Edwards because, I mean, now you have three challengers perceived as moderate and anti-Trump, whether that's right or wrong. But I, I don't think it complicates the path because they're, they're both shooting for a June primary and he's shooting for a November general. I think that's right. But you but you're talking about donors who probably are, you know, when it comes to fundraising, I think that's going to be a little bit more of a challenge. And so, yeah, I do think messaging as well. I, I mean, you're going to have to you're going to have to distinguish yourself a little bit. I think I think these candidates, I mean, if they can't distinguish themselves, you're just going to have three that are essentially, you know, moderate, never Trump type votes or uh, candidates. I mean, that's tough. It's going to be tough for voters to distinguish. It's going to be tough for fundraising, you know, uh, donors to distinguish. So I, I think it would be tough to split the pool a little bit like that. Yeah, and I, I do agree with you. I, th I think that um, Ali Isom, Becky Edwards, and now Evan McMullen will be chasing those same anti-Trump, uh, anti-Mike Lee dollars. So that does make fundraising more difficult. Yeah. So the one thing I could say for sure is that McMullen's entry is definitely going to guarantee that the national left-wing news coverage, the left uh, cable media verse is going to be all over this all day, every day. So yeah turn into even more of a circus. All right. I think that's it. All right. Well, thanks, Corey. Uh, we'll be back next week. All right. Back next week. Thanks so much, thanks, everyone.